Thanks for listening to this sermon from the Image Church. Find out more about us and our weekly services at imagejesus.com. I just want to take the moment just to say this. A lot of y'all know my testimony, um, but some of y'all don't. And uh, I really want to make this really clear because, you know, if you walk in from the outside, you could um, misconstrue some of what's going on today. And you may, you can even think that... Uh, that I'm some type of awesome guy or something or whatever, right? And, uh, and then I got it together and I got it right. You could maybe think that was the case or whatever, right? And uh, the fact of the matter is I'm just a, a full-blown walking mess half the time, right? And God likes to use uh, messes for his glory, you know? But um, about 15 years ago, um, and even some of the gentlemen in this room were actually with me when this happened, about 15 years ago, I ended up in a fight at a... Uh, at a um, you know, at a club one night, and uh, it was New Year's. My my wife, who was my girlfriend, there had begged me to go to church with her, and uh, and you know, I was like, "No, I don't do church. You can cast no demons out of me up in there. I ain't going up in there, right?" So I said, "No way." And uh, and uh, anyway, I went to the party. At the party, I ended up getting in a fight and getting jumped by some guys. Um, I had my boys with me, but I was too prideful. You know what I'm saying? I was on some of that E and J or something. So I was like, "Man, we about we about to fight five guys by myself." It didn't work out well. And so it didn't work out too well at all for me that night. Um, so don't try that. But, you know, what, what, what happened was this right here. Right after that, I, um, you know, in my pride, I said, man, this, this guy, got, he got to pay. So I started plotting to actually murder this guy. And I found out where his house was at. I didn't tell none of my friends at all. And, um, and I just I set myself up to go take care of the situation. And my, my, my girlfriend, Alana, who's my wife now, she, uh, she begged me to go to church with her. And I, and I went. And I only went because I needed a place to sit and think through how I was going to pull this off. And uh, one Sunday when I went to go get up out of church and get the heck out of there because I didn't want to hear them ask who wants to, you know, follow Jesus or have an altar call, I, I ran up out of there. And when I ran out, I made about five steps out of the building. And I heard God clear his day. And what he said to me, he said, um, all he said was, you're going to die this week. And it was, it just ran through my body. I don't even know how to explain it to you, but I didn't sit and debate with what I heard. I knew who it was. I didn't have to go, God, is that you? None of that. And, um, and you know, Lana said, well, what do you want to do? I said, baby, we got to go back in this church kicked the doors open, went to the front of the church, and I fell on my knees. I said, God, I love drugs. I love women. I love doing dirt. I love all of this stuff. I said, but I know it's going to kill me. And I basically said, you know, my life is yours, but I need you to help me hate what I do because, you know, if I could get away from it, I would get away from it. And I knew I was helpless in saving myself at that moment. And that was the beginning of all of this, right? Everything that we're standing in right now, it happened in that moment. And, uh, What's so significant about that story is I completely heard God calling me. I heard him calling me before he spoke to me that day. But I still was so set on my rebellion and I was so set on revenge. And I just was like, I'm going to do me, you know. And um, so like when I listen to the things that are being said and everything else, man, it horrifies me. Because I realized I really had nothing to do with what's going on. I didn't make a good decision. Like, you know what I'm saying? I didn't get a good heart all of a sudden. I'm like, I'm going to go follow God. 
God rolled up on me, still rolling up on me. I'm still sitting here listening. I'm like, what in the world has happened? How do you take a full-blown piece of crap and just do something with it? But that's what he does. You understand what I'm saying? Like, you know, I may have deceived some of y'all to make to think I'm a good dude, but I know what I am. I know what I am, right? And all the good stuff that has flown out is just a result of a good God who by his mercy... And by his grace, has just overwhelmed my life. That's, that's it, right? He's overwhelmed my life. And ever since that moment when I went to the altar, he's flung out an amazing wife. And he's flung out all these amazing friends. And he's, he's, he's called forth all my amazing kids. They don't exist without him stepping into the picture. It's not my good work. He's not in my story. I'm in his story. I didn't do something cool. I didn't make an awesome move. Yo, he made a move. He's doing something. And we're in it. And we're just rolling, all right? We're just rolling. I want to read a verse with you before we go into the communion time. It's Luke 18, 9 through 14. And it's, the, it's, it's the Pharisee and the tax collector. And it says this. It said, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. I think we all know people like that, right? says, two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humble, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. The reason I chose this scripture to share with you today is for several reasons. One, because I'm just really upset that Pharisees have tried to hijack the gospel and they've made this lie where it's like we are going to stand before God and he's going to be just amazed at our resume that we think we're going to stand before him and go I give tithes of all that I get and I fast twice a week I'm upset about that because I believe I have a whole bunch of friends inside of this room right now and the reason they won't cross over even though they know the Lord has called them is because they don't think they actually have enough stuff on their resume yet. So it, 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 it gives me a venomous anger because I don't stand here because of a resume, right? Stand here because of the blood of Jesus. And then you notice in the story, the other guy says, I'm a sinner. And he calls out to God for mercy. And God goes, he's justified, right? He's justified. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ that we are broken. We can't save ourselves. 
He says our righteousness is like filthy rags. Last week I talked about this idea of steadfast love. And steadfast love being this idea that even for us who are believers, our righteousness right now is still filthy rags. And it's God's loyalty and his love every single second of the day that he holds us in place. Because a lot of the same sinners that we sit and we shake our hand at, if he removes his blood, we're going to be standing right next to him. And that's why when I preach to him, I talk to him like I'm in the same box as I truly am. It's only the blood of Jesus that lets me be called the righteousness of God. It's only the blood of Jesus that gives you stories to tell about me like that. That ain't my thing. I didn't do that. That was him. That was him. I don't know how to love a woman. I don't know how to be a husband. I don't know how to be a father. But I know how to get on my knees and be like, Lord, what do I do? And he had just been doing that all these years. And he's been faithful. It's his story. It's him who we celebrate today. It's him who we celebrate today. Right? He says we all have fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned, everybody. And that's the thing. When you start looking in the mirror and you start looking at your sin, you start to realize you're actually the problem. You, you are the problem that is, you're what's wrong with the whole entire world. You ain't just what's wrong with the situation in front of you. That's what I realized. I said, my sin is in everything that's broken about this world. God, who's going to save me? Who can save a wretch like me? So I can. I can. So the good news in the gospel, when we're about to take communion, y'all can get ready for communion, y'all. When we're about to take communion right now, the reason I love taking communion because, you know, it represents his body being broken. It represents his blood being spilled. And it says every time we come to the table to take communion that we are actually, we are revisiting his death and putting it before us. Because it cost a holy God to come from heaven, to come from heaven to die on a cross to pay for our sins. There was no way for us to be completely separated from God outside of the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. So that means that every single sin you ever did, will do, will do in the future. It means that if you're a believer that that sin has been put on Christ on the cross. That's what was happening there. All the sins of the world were being overwhelmed on him. The perfect sacrifice. And then his perfect life, his perfect guilt-free life, it gets afforded and given to us. If you're a believer, you, you get to stand before God and you say, you don't give him your resume. You say, I put my faith in Jesus Christ. He's like, yo, you did your thing. Perfect. A plus. Come on in. It's not even yours. You didn't even take the test. Do you get where I'm coming from? We'd be crazy to turn our back on something like that. And that's why I hit this scripture. Because I want to see my friends in heaven with me. I want us to be in heaven partying together. It has to happen. And so that's why I wake up and do what I do. This life is nothing but a split second. But we're going to be in heaven. We're going to be eternity. We're going to be on the bad side of that thing or on the good side of that thing for the, forever, right? So if God has given me eternal life, right, why for this time right here, why wouldn't I give it all away to pursue and run after people, right? And that's what we get to do. That's a gift that God has given us. So I just, you know, I just, I just, I love y'all. I really love y'all. I really love y'all. And, um. I just, you know, 
I feel like I'm standing outside of myself, like watching this happen. You know what I'm saying? Um, I feel like I'm standing outside of myself just watching God just do something. It's just crazy to me. It hasn't got old. You know what I'm saying? When I gave my life to Christ, it didn't, I didn't get cute and get it together all of a sudden. I'm still talking like this guy right here, like, Lord, I'm a sinner. Please have mercy on me. And the Bible says his mercies are made new every single morning. He is faithful. He's faithful. You can't mess it up. You can't mess it up. This is what he says. This is the last thing I'm going to leave you with. He says, if you say you're not a sinner, then you're a liar and the truth is not in you. He says, if you say you do not sin, you are a liar and the truth is not in you. And he says, and I've taken care of the sin, he said, because the blood of my son Jesus will cleanse you. So a lot of the people that have hijacked this idea of righteousness, like they got it together. Man, you closer to heaven than they are. You closer to heaven than you are. If you, if, they close, if you are deceived in thinking that you are not good enough, man, you almost there. Because you're right, you're not good enough. And that's why Jesus died. Because you can never meet the mark. So all you got to do is by faith grab a hold of them. All right? The people who got a problem is the ones that are trusting in themselves, that think, listen to what it says in the scripture, trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. God has no mercy for that because it completely denies the work of his son Jesus on the cross. It makes it like it was nothing. It's like, we need you to send your son down here. We can save ourselves. I'm good. I got my works together. I never lie. I never do this. And he's like, you're a liar and I don't know you. So Listen. We're about to take communion right now. And like I said, it's one of my favorite things to do because it puts the cross right in front of me. It brings me back to it again. The Bible says, do not take communion if you are not a believer and you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ. Because it says you drink damnation unto yourselves. Because it disrespects the work of Christ on the cross, right? But if you are not a believer and you want to be a believer today then you can get up and you can come to this table and you can let it actually be your declaration of your faith in Christ. If you feel like you have nothing else you can do, if you feel like you're tired of trying to be good and meet the mark and all of that stuff, if you feel like the world is just jacked up to pieces and you're like trying to figure it out, there ain't no figuring it out. It's wicked and we're wicked with it. But Christ has already overcome the world. He's calling you on the winning team because he done won. He's put the devil to open shame. He died and he rose three days later. And he defeated death. So when we come to this table today, the Bible says, like, like I just told you, I still feel like this guy I wake up sometimes and I say, God, man, I feel like I'm so far from meeting the mark. But when I take this table, I get to tuck myself into the work of Christ once again. It brings it back why he died. It, it takes the idea that I have to keep on working off of me. And it's like he did the work. And I get to live inside of the work that Jesus did. That his body was broken for me, right? That his God, he had stripes on his back. He bled for me, for you, right? And another thing he says, he says the sick, the, he said the sick need a physician. He said the harvest is plentiful, right? And he says he's the Lord of the harvest, and he's saying, he's, he's saying, pray for laborers to go get the loss. Well, when something's lost, it means you own it. So some of us in here actually belong to him already, but we've just been running and we just lost. 
he's telling you like yo come home and if you could understand God's heart if you could if he could give you the eyes to see how ferocious he is about his children how he feels imagine yourself as a parent with your children lost in the street somewhere and none of us are holier than God so we can't even grasp what that feels like but he's saying like yo where are the laborers that will go chase down my children and get them Who's going to go do it? He said the, said the harvest is plenty, but the labor is a few. Who's going to go do the work? Who's going to go get them? Some of y'all are the harvest today. Don't fight it. You don't have to figure it out. I'm still figuring it out. But what I do know is he's faithful and he's true. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know is that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. So if you can't work it out no more... Come let this table work it out for you.